Email ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Okay, um, A Fallen God is the new book by author Michael J. Chaplin. And Michael joins us on the line now. Uh, hello, Michael. Hello. Is it nice to hear your name prefaced with the word author? Well, uh, yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> I suppose I, I suppose I can live with that now. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so th- this is a li- nearly a life's work, isn't it? This book, A Fallen God. Yes, it is. It took me a very long time to write. I've made other attempts to write novels, which were I had to drop very quickly, noticing I had had nothing really to say. Mm. But um, at a certain point in my life, yes, I, I had plenty to say. So, <laughs> yeah. so I managed to finish. Well, it took me 20, 20 years to finish the book. Wow. Uh, and here you are at 77. Uh, there was a book back in the day, which we'll talk about later on. Uh, but this, this, I suppose, officially, your, it's your first novel. Uh, set yeah. in, in 13th century France at a time of conflict between the Church of Rome and the rebellious Cathar movement. Tell us about the Cathar movement. Well, the Qatars, they are supposed to have come up into Europe from uh, from the east and they were dualists. In other words, they believed in a good God and, and an evil God. Uh-huh. And um, this comes from uh, the Zoroasters in, in uh, Iran. Uh, it suddenly moved very quickly up into Europe. And uh, I suppose because... People were becoming disillusioned with the church because, you know, you could pay in those days, you could pay for your your way into heaven. (laughs) (laughs) You could buy a seat in heaven. It it had come to that. So the Christians obviously were very, very uh, scared of of this movement Mm. and they tried to crush it uh, very quickly, but it didn't. It moved up into the southwest of France from Eastern Europe. And uh, basically, they were vegetarians. They didn't believe in killing uh, animals to feed themselves. They, they had all sorts of uh, differences, but the, ma- the main difference was that they believed there was uh, a devil and a god. Uh-huh. So they created upheaval in Europe, and it's against that backdrop that your characters live their lives, Tristan, Isolde, and uh, Tristan's dad, the king, <laughs> yes. King Mark. Yeah. And it's a love triangle of yes. sorts, Michael. Yes, it's a love triangle. Yes, it's it's uh, it's the archetypal love triangle, the myth that uh, has been written and rewritten, and uh, in 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 the cinema, Shakespeare, I suppose. Well, there's a bit of, like Shakespeare would have borrowed from it as well, wouldn't he? Yes, but but I think I think um, the background to to that is that it brought a new concept into Europe of romantic love mm. and it probably started off amongst the travelling minstrels as a story they would tell and then in the 12th century I think the first edition came out the first written book came out as a written book it ended up in an opera Wagner wrote an opera on that story lots of people uh, say that this story was the birth of romantic love look where that's got us Michael yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> now, people, when they hear the name Chaplin, obviously they go straight to Charlie, who uh, was your dad, is your dad. Um, I know you very much feel him around you all the time. Yes, well, he he, he was a, a an enormous presence in my life as a child. 
you know, and I, I, I had to spend a lot of time trying to break away mm. because I uh, didn't want to be devoured by <laughs> by that name. But uh, yes, he, he was a, he was certainly a, a, an important figure. And have you broken away? Do you think, Michael? Um, yes, I've, I've finally managed to write a book after twenty twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time coming, yeah. but it, I made several attempts in other directions and mostly fell, so, fell over. So, did you, because well, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. So this book, like to write a book is an amazing achievement for anybody, but it, there, were, there was so much more to it for you because at this stage in your life, 77, it sort of symbolises you coming out from under the shadow of your father, does it? It wasn't part of my psyche, you know. I had to separate myself from, from him, him yes, yes. for a long time. Yeah. He died in 1977. He died in 1977, yes. Christmas Day. Um, yes. Uh, and in your reading, you came across an ancient sect and their theory is that a man's age starts from the day his father dies, which is interesting. Yes, that is very interesting. You are freeing yourself from something. It doesn't have to be uh, that definite, but uh, you it is a release. You know, I had a lot of very powerful dreams where he reappeared and that certainly was a, it was a release. But uh, it's still not what wrote the book. I mean, a lot of work had to be written into there. I had to go through some painful experiences in my life to have something to write about. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, so my father was a bit... I, sorted that one out uh, <laughs> before I became a goat farmer. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you've had a, a hugely interesting life. Um, I, I'm just looking at like you were on the big screen at the age of 10, acting alongside your dad, a king in New York. Uh, and, and then you went to London in your late teens, early 20s. You became a pop star for a minute or two. And, and then you ended up, as you say, goat farming in the south of France. Um, so, uh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> where will we start? Maybe we'll start with you acting with your dad. Well, yes, well, that was uh, just a part I played in, uh, in The King of New York. My dad directed me. He um, acted every scene out for me. And all I had to do was uh, imitate him. <laughs> But then he did it with a lot of actors. Uh, even with women, he would uh, act the scene for them. And they would just follow that. Until he came up against Marlon Brando, which uh, uh, in his last film, who, uh, of course, didn't function in that way at all. <laughs> if you listen to Kazan, uh, Brando was someone who appeared on the set when you never knew when he was appear. And then he would ask a few questions and then he would just get up and then you, you would uh, you would do the part. Obviously, he, everything was done inside him. So he, he had a hard time with Martin Brando, I think. It was a clash of styles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I suppose people who know about the film industry will know this, but casual observers won't know that your dad not only was, you know, the famous actor, but he was a writer, director, producer, editor. He composed uh, some of the scores for his movies. Uh, and to do all that, you had to be... In control, you know, you had to make sure that every everything was meticulously planned and maybe that's not how Marlon Brando worked. Yes, I got to know him a little bit. He had a tremendous uh, intuition into 
who you were. You would observe in a way that was very uh, eerie and, and uh, obviously he was a great actor. Mm. not suited to that, to working with my father. He came from elsewhere. Uh, you know, the streets and vaudeville and Brando came from method uh, acting. Two worlds collide. Yes. Um, we have an audio clip here from A King in New York. So you play a character called Rupert. Uh, your dad plays the king um, and he's been introduced to you as the editor of a magazine. Now remember, you're just I'm saying this for our listeners, remember that uh, Michael plays the part of a 10-year-old so the first voice we hear is the man introducing uh, little Rupert uh, to the king, played by your dad, Charlie Chaplin. This, your majesty, is Rupert, our young editor. How do you do, Rupert? How do you do? Sit down. And what's that you're reading? Karl Marx. Surely you're not a communist. Do I have to be a communist to read Karl Marx? Rupert. That's a valid answer. Well, if you're not a communist, what are you? Nothing. Nothing? It is like all forms of government. But somebody must rule. And I don't like the word rule. Well, if we don't like the word rule, let's call it leadership. Leadership in government is political power. And political power is an official form of antagonising the people. Strong performance. How do you feel listening back to that, Michael? Well, you know, uh, it was a wonderful moment in my childhood to work with him, you know, to see him working and participating. Your father takes you, uh, if he's a fisherman, he takes you on the boat fishing, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> it was sort of that, that kind of thing. I think it had a, a real power on me. Yeah. But, but uh, then I had to go back to the real world. <laughs> and that's, yeah, what was what was the real world like? And, and did you do things like, I suppose, in inverted commas, normal family things with your dad? No, we, we went out eating or we lived a, as a family. But um, the only problem was I was not very good at school. In fact, I was very bad at school. I couldn't concentrate. I was looking out the window all the time and uh, I just couldn't absorb anything. So and my father believed in education as being the one defense you have in life, which is uh, probably true. Uh, I wouldn't contest that, but uh, it didn't uh, it didn't sink in with me anyway when I was a child. Yeah, which there's a sort of a sadness when you recount that. Um, and I read in an interview you gave that you felt that you weren't a good son, which is something you don't often hear. You know, I grew up, I, I, I left home, I grew up, I had, you know, I went to London, uh, I went to RADA trying to act. I discovered that I couldn't act to save my life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I left after the, after the first term, realising I, I didn't have the passion of uh, students there. We all read Shakespeare and, and uh, were really very ambitious and very, very passionate. Uh, and Michael, was, was there a, a sort of a weight of expectation on your shoulders? Like, here's Charlie Chaplin's son in RADA. Stand aside. No, no. At that time, I was uh, smoking dope and, and going out with my friends and listening to uh, jazz and, and going to Ronnie Scott's and uh, Pink Flamingo. I was having a, a tremendous time in London. Yeah, It didn't include uh, being an actor anymore. No, it was it was the swinging 60s in London. Uh, and, yeah. and you got we, we mentioned it already, but we found a clip of you singing, Michael. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am what I am. It's from 1965. Wow. Uh, so next year, this is this will be 60 years since you recorded this. Uh, let's have a listen. I am what I am. Sometimes 
so don't try to change me. I am what I am. You can't rearrange me. If you don't like what you see in me, turn around, just let me be. I am what I am. So don't try to change me. I am what I am. You can't rearrange me. It's an earworm that's going to stick with me. So that didn't work out here, the, the pop career. And, and were you in London at the time? I, I know the answer to this. You were Charlie Chaplin's son. And as a result, the newspapers were paying attention to everything you did or didn't do. Yes, yes. Oh, dear. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, all that is a very distant dream to me now. Because hmm. uh, it took me a long time to develop a, a real passion you know, and I don't see myself in the past there with my father, and it's not what I live with in in my in my life. My passion is literature. I really gave all my blood and and sweat to writing this book. Mm. You know, that's that's where that's, that's where, where you're I, at. Yeah. You know, if I hadn't done that, I would have nothing real to look back on. Uh, except my wife and family, which, of course, were very real to me. And that was the other big thing in my life. So your book, but, of a Fallen God, which is out now, is, is a legacy for you? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, it is. Uh... <laughs> no, but, but it, it, I, I suppose, you know, if, if you start writing in your 20s or whatever, you don't think of your work as being a legacy, you know. But I suppose coming to it later in life, you do. And for you, it's, it's, it's that huge, that important in your life. Um, yeah. Your mum would be very proud of you, Una. She was. She would be very proud, I hope. Yeah. Um, because uh, she, she read all the time. She always had a book uh, in her hand. She, she had friends who were writers. Uh, her dad was a playwright, your grandfather, Eugene Nunez. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was the connection with Ireland then, wasn't it? Your your mum's side of the family. Yes, she uh, loved going to Ireland. My father, he was more a, a Mediterranean man, <laughs> <laughs> as you would say. But he loved it in the end too. I think Ireland really grew on him, and they they stayed in, Ke- in County Kerry, which is uh, so beautiful. He loved the sea, the, the space. Uh, He'd go out on long walks with my mother. He even went fishing once or twice. <laughs> there was an, an anonymity down there for him because I read a description of the time when he was visiting Kerry for the first time, Waterville in particular, um, and, and Butler's Hotel down there, uh, that, that a lot of people would only have had radios, no televisions, they wouldn't have been to the cinema. So Charlie Chaplin could happily walk down the main street in Waterville and nobody would recognise him. Ah yes, yeah, absolutely. And and you you you, I saw a picture of you down there as a as a, as a young boy. What what are your memories of holidaying in, in Kerry? Going fishing mm-hmm. mostly up in the lake behind uh, the Butler Arms Hotel. There was a lake and, and uh, catching trout and uh, one salmon. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I love the outdoors. I lo- I love the the scenery. It seemed like a, a, another world mm. back then. I knew uh, my grandfather was, uh, well, actually, it's my great-grandfather who, who, who was born in Ireland. Mm. 
and uh, then went to the uh, United States. My grandfather, he was eight years old. A Shakespeare company passed through there and uh, they went into the pub where he was working and they needed some people to, you know, to fill in the, the, the space where they were and up on stage, extras. Mm. And uh, my great-grandfather, eight years old, he was up there on stage and he immediately knew that was where he was going to go. And so he went and pleaded with the, the, the theatre director, the travelling theatre director, to uh, join them. And he said, well, he gave him a book of Shakespeare. He said, if you've read one or two plays, when we come back next year, I'll take you on. Which he did. And then he had, he had a, very, a very big, successful career as, a, as an actor. Ah. And he then went to America. He made a lot of money with a troupe, a theatre troupe, travelling through the United States. So that's his story. That's a great story. So looking back on your life... Michael, and you have a good bit of living yet to do, but looking back on your life, I'm, I'm intrigued by being born into a family where you have this global figure as, you, as your dad. For most of us, for the majority of people, they can't even imagine that. Uh, you've, you've lived it and you've thought about it and you've analysed it, I'm sure. Um, and, and what do you conclude or do you conclude or is it just your life and it's your normal? Well, um what Gustav Jung called uh, an individuation. That's, uh, that's the acquisition of a soul. Mm. Uh, it's very interesting if you read Jung, he's an amazing man. And uh, I, th I think that's it. You have to uh, create a space of your own inside yourself. And, and that's you. And, uh, and you have to walk around with that. If you don't, you're going to be following, uh, following people, you know, going to having a life you don't really fit in. So I see it that way. Mm. And uh, I think it's a long journey. I think the ancient Greeks, some philosophers, uh, claim that we are down here to acquire a soul. And that's exactly what Jung was saying. And, and uh, we, we don't, we're not born with a soul. It's, you have to get that soul and then uh, live with it. Uh-huh. So it's, it's about self-image, really. It's about developing a, a self-image as sort of a, an individual entity, which was probably more difficult for somebody like you uh, with Charlie Chaplin as your dad. Um, a Fallen God by Michael J. Chaplin. Michael, if you're ever in the country, um, for whatever reason, come in and say hello to us. Um, and thanks for talking to us today. Thanks, Michael. Thank you very much. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1.